Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On episode 63 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Jeremiah are back together and they have two new additions with some new Green Street Hammers contributors. We talk all things West Ham and, of course, hit on some Hammers polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. Welcome to the episode 63 of the Green Street Hammers podcast. My name is Adam. We're back here with myself and Jeremiah. Henry is not here with us this week, but it is a special episode because we have two new members of the Green Street Hammers crew joining us here. Uh, first up, we have Aaron Deans from Ottawa. Aaron, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, yeah, just trying to do my best to stay afloat during this global uh, pandemic. Um basically become an early childhood educator for a two-year-old so yeah every every day is a is an interesting exciting day and just doing my best to uh find my way through it you are not alone with that i don't think uh and uh, the other name that we have added to our corpse here is justin wasik uh he is from chicago you may know him from the uh american uh american hammers network i believe you, you do a lot of stuff for uh justin how are you doing yeah, doing well, Adam. Thanks for having me. Uh, really, really happy to, to be joining the crew. Absolutely. We're happy to have you both joining on board here. It's always nice to have some extra voices around, uh, some new perspectives. Uh, and then uh, as for old perspectives, Jeremiah, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, just good to be back talking on here. It's not work. It doesn't feel like work anyway. It doesn't feel like an effort. And between actual work and this new kind of project I'm uh, heading up, it's sometimes always feels like work this this is nice. It's relaxing, and uh, I guess you don't always correlate relaxing and West Ham together, but yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what does seem like work? Recording a podcast twice, because that's what we're in the <laughs> middle of doing right now as our first audio corrupted here. So not a great first experience for Aaron and Justin there, but we will keep things uh, positive and moving forward here. And I do want to give uh, give each of our new, uh, our new contributors... Uh, a little bit of a, an open mic here, just to say hi to, to the listeners and also to give a little bit of a background on themselves. So we'll start with Aaron again. Aaron, uh, tell everyone where you're from, why West Ham, and uh, why you're excited to be jumping on with uh, with us here at Green Street. Uh, yeah, so I uh, live in Ottawa, Canada's capital, and uh, I basically have got an interesting West Ham story. One of my uh, best mates for the past 13 years is a lifelong West Ham supporter. His dad's from the East End, and... Uh, so I watched a bunch of West Ham matches with them prior to uh, traveling overseas with them in 2016. And I went to three matches in eight days. West Ham won two of them. And uh, I was hooked from there. Uh, many people told me that the two out of three was not a usual stat. And I've uh, come to learn that pretty quickly. All right. And uh, Justin, uh, you are uh, a Chicago native. And that's where I will stop with the introductions there. Let everyone know why West Ham for you and uh, why you're why you're excited to join us uh, over here at Green Street. Yeah, um, thanks for the intro. So 
I hung out with a lot of the soccer players at my university back in the day, and they all had their team that they supported. And I've always loved the game, and I wanted to, to pick a Premier League team. And I didn't want to pick one of the big boys like Chelsea or Arsenal. Um, so I tried to find a team that had as many similarities as possible to a team that I loved here in the States, the Chicago Cubs from Major League Baseball. And, you know, up until 2016, the Cubs hadn't really won a lot. It's really the same thing for West Ham. Uh, there are a couple other similarities, too. Um, so I just decided on West Ham in around the 14-15 season. But starting in the 15-16 season, when I moved back to Chicago, I started watching matches with the Chicago Hammers supporters group. And, you know, that, that sense of community and camaraderie with those guys, a lot of which I consider really great friends, has really continued to intensify my passion for the club. I don't think I'd be as passionate for the club without those guys. Um, and so, yeah, my passion for the club has just grown and grown over the last six, seven years. And like you alluded to, I started blogging a bit for American Hammers Network, did some YouTube shows as well, really enjoyed the blogging aspect and um, wanted to join Green Street um, to have a bit more structure around blogging and, you know, sort of be committed to, to doing a couple articles a week. And yeah, that's, that's sort of how I got into to doing Green Street. Well, guys, we're very excited and happy to have you both. Uh, we look forward to more articles. You guys both dropped your first articles today uh, for Green Street. Uh, and, you know, we, can, we, of course, try to go daily there with our content. So with you guys on board, that'll be a lot easier. But new perspectives are always welcome. So uh, feel free if you're out there listening and you're on the edge. You don't know if you want to or, or you don't want to step into it. Shoot us a, a DM on Twitter or, you know, an email and, and uh, we'll talk about it for sure. We're happy to have everyone joining us on board. And Justin, I can actually, uh, I can actually, I have a lot in common with your story of how you started with West Ham. My uh, my buddy was a uh, a big Manchester United fan; he still is. And uh, so I, I started watching along with them, but uh, I didn't really. It was like glory hunting, right? Like one of the top table teams. Like you said, you wanted to avoid that. Um, so I ended up getting completely smashed on a night at uh, away at school. And I woke up the next morning, couldn't move. I was paralyzed in my bed. All I could do was lay in one position to avoid vomiting. And uh, I couldn't change the channel. What was on was West Ham versus Crystal Palace, I believe. And uh, Kevin Nolan scored uh, a brace as West Ham won. I think Andy Carroll got a red card in the match as well, as well as two assists. Um, so it, it was a it was a truly great experience. And I thought, whatever team wins the game, that's where I'm going to be. So I, uh, I jumped on board with West Ham, and it's been an absolutely anxiety-inducing relationship that I wouldn't change for anything. I think it was right around 2014, 2015 as well. So um, somewhere in that in that time frame. Uh, so, you know, it, it's always different coming from the new world over here with how our relationships start with the team. But um, it's nice that, that you guys both have such unique stories there. It's very cool. Um, we did, uh, in the first uh, rundown of this podcast that did not save, we did uh, talk about our uh, Bundesliga teams. Myself, Werder Bremen, sucked. Uh, they got kicked in by Kai Havertz, uh, but uh, fellow Canadian Alfonso Davies did extremely well for Bayern Munich, so I'm happy with that. Jeremiah, where uh, where did your allegiance lie in the Bundesliga this weekend? My allegiance lied and, and kind of always been with Hertha Berlin. Uh, good weekend for them. They won 3-0, and it's just good to have it back. And, you know, we joked about it before and on the first recording, but 
Hertha and West Ham have a lot of similarities. If you like watching the football with a mile wide track in between, then they're your side. Uh, <laughs> and you can go on and on for that. You know, they're in the capital and everything else. And I, I just think it's, for me, it was good to see you come back and have football again. That's that's very exciting for you. I wish I had a team I could be so happy about. Aaron, whereabouts uh, do your allegiance lie in Germany? Uh, yeah, so I decided on Union Berlin. Uh, they are the working class team of East Berlin. And uh, in some ways, they have, I guess, some similarities to uh, West Ham Pre-Olympic Stadium. Their ground is... Uh, Pretty old ground, and most of it's terraced. Uh, it's actually, if you look at a picture of it on, uh, on the internet, the uh, outside of the ground kind of almost looks like the castle side of the Berlin. So it's uh, a bit of similarities maybe to the older West Ham as opposed to the newer one at the Olympic Stadium. Well, that's, uh, that's a, a nice connection there as well, the newcomers and the exciting uh, upstart in, in, uh, in the Bundesliga there. Justin, whereabouts uh, are you following for our newfound love for German soccer? Yeah, so I've always enjoyed uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, there's the Pulisic connection. Uh, I've always liked Jurgen Klopp, um, even from his uh, all the way in his mind's days too. And um, always really like admired and has have been in awe of the Yellow Wall. Um, it's definitely on the bucket list as a sports fan for myself. So decided to stick with them, and I and I did watch their game against Schalke, which is. A pretty big derby in, in the Bundesliga. Didn't feel like one, but Dortmund took care of business. They, they won 4-0, so, so that was cool to see. That's very exciting for you there after that awesome win. Uh, Guerrero, Brandt, Allen, Hazard, all of them just knocking in wonderful goals. So I'm glad you guys all had great weekends watching soccer. That was awesome for you guys. Totally not jealous at all or anything. Um, okay, what we're, what we're going to do here, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to answer some Hammers Pulls questions and talk about uh, more West Ham content. So keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. For West Ham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best West Ham videos and podcasts, download the free COY Irons app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We're jumping in with some uh, Hammers Polls questions, as is tradition with us here. Uh, and we're going to start with a, uh, we're going to start negative and work ourselves positive here. Uh, so this question comes from at Brexit Noble underscore, a terrific name. Uh, he sent us into Hammers Polls uh, <laughs> this morning at 943. Uh, which, has, which player has been the biggest flop for West Ham? Was it Simone Zaza or Jonathan Caleri? Uh, Justin, let's come to you first there. Who do you have as biggest flop out of those two? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any stats in front of me. Um, I, I think Kaleri scored once. I'm not sure. I, think I, he I know have. he has know. at least one. I know that. Okay. Okay. I know Zaza did not. And he also has that infamous shot. Oh, I think it was at Manchester United where it ended up going out on the opposite touchline behind the point at which he shot it. It was just one of the worst shots I've ever, <laughs> ever seen. Um, so I'm going to go Zaza. So I, I think, I think Kaleri, you know, played more, had a little bit more of an impact. Again, like I said, Zaza didn't score. So I'm going to go with the bigger flop being um, Zaza, especially because the expectations on Zaza, I, I believe, were, were much higher. I'm pulling up stats here, and Kaleri had one goal uh, in 16 yeah. games, and he also had two assists in the Premier League, too, in two matches. So perhaps that was his level. Uh, Aaron, who do you got? Uh, Kaleri or Zaza for biggest flop? 
Um, you know, I think it's easy to say Simone Zaza because there was such high expectations. I think uh, make it a permanent deal after his loan. It was something like twenty million or something like that. So I think the the expectations were uh, pretty high for him. And I actually I was looking at his stats when he came up with the question, and I apparently saw him play live three times on my first trip over. <laughs> Don't really remember anything about him. Uh, so I'm gonna actually go with Jonathan Caleri just because. I remember late in that season when we were fighting relegation, he kind of had to become the an important player for us, and he just looked so so useless on the pitch sometimes. It was just so frustrating. So I'm going to go with him, even though maybe the expectations weren't as high as they were for Zaza. That is completely fair and justified. Jeremiah, who do you have? Yeah, I got to go with Zaza. I think you know we already talked about it a lot, but the expectations were so high. I mean, even... When he came into West Ham during that uh, preseason match with uh, with Juventus, and didn't he score in that one too? I believe um, for Juventus, not for us. And then we <laughs> ended up bringing him in. It was this whole level of just excitement to see this finally maybe get a striker in there that's going to do something good, and then just completely laid an egg and did absolutely nothing. And then he leaves again, and then turns back into the old Zaza that he was before. So it's. Uh, it was fresh. I think more frustrating than anything seeing that. But you're right on the Caleri side. He, I think he's done pretty good now, right? I think he had a pretty solid season. Then he's back in La Liga. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know he had a pretty solid season again. And I think maybe that's just kind of his calling and where he's supposed to be is, is playing there. And and you know West Ham just was uh, the killer of strikers like it always is. Yeah, that is the tradition. And Caleri's at Espanyol now, so he's. Uh, I think he had for the last two seasons good stretches of time where he's mm-hmm. been. Uh, you know, one of the best players in the league that week. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Caleri, though, simply because Zaza may not have scored, but if you watch the highlight, quote-unquote highlight, if you watch the clip of Caleri scoring, he did everything in his power to not put this ball in the net. Lanzini basically had to put it on a tee for him, and someone had to tackle the keeper out of the way. I think the, the own, his own player had to knock him out of the way for this ball to go in. It was honestly like a make-a-wish happened, and they got a fan out of the stands to come in and try and score the goal. It was it was ridiculous. So uh, I, I think Zaza is a lot more than his World Cup penalty kick run out uh, when he did up the whole trot and then launched it over the net. And he's a lot more than what he was for West Ham, which was 11 matches, no goals, no assists. But, uh, I mean, that's a loser's race between those two, in my opinion. Uh, but we will move on, uh, and we'll go to... An interesting question here. This one's from Hammers Polls. Uh, they put it out today, and uh, it's got four options here for the best West Ham signing this season. Sebastian Allaire, Pablo Fornells, Thomas Socek, and Jared Bowen. And it's a really interesting one because Socek, I, I mean, you can characterize these players uh, as very different based on basically the positions. They all play different positions, but also based on time spent at the club. So um, it's interesting to see how you guys are going to rate them here. Uh, I'm going to get mine out of the way, and I'm going to go with Pablo Fornals. Uh, he has shown good for Pellegrini and also won his position back when he shouldn't have had to uh, with David Moyes, and he's had a positive attitude the whole time. Plus, he's got some great Twitter and Instagram love with Jared Bowen going on. I don't know if you guys have been watching that or seeing that. Um, that that made me so happy when the I think it was Bowen saying he can't wait for Fornells to to send those passes into him again and yeah they were just poking fun at each other so that's always nice to see uh, Jeremiah who do you have out of those four as the best signing so far this season I'm gonna go with uh, as we haven't seen very much of him but Suchek uh, Thomas Suchek has for me 
for me anyway, he's the player that I've wanted to see West Ham sign for a while now. We all know that Mark Noble's, you know, slowly, maybe a little bit more expediently creeping towards that exit door. And Suchek is a player to come in and fill in perfectly for that. And we've seen him do that. He's done well in the games that he has played, you know, barring injury. He's looked really good. He's got, he's good on his feet. You know, he's a solid, he's like a tree back there, man. Like he just, <laughs> he takes the ball away with ease and he can pass it up well. Him and Declan have really played well off each other, in my opinion. And, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him, but if the Premier League comes back or when it comes back and if he's still at West Ham, which would be a shame to see him not be at West Ham, is, you know, I'm just excited to see it. And I think he's definitely the player that can push on for the future. And maybe he's not, you know, so much this year, but a future West Ham, he's got a, he's got a lifelong career there if he wants it. Interesting choice there. I don't. I didn't think I would see you pick that one, but uh, alas, here we are. Uh, Aaron, I was going to go with Fornals, but you took that one. So uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Aaron, uh, don't be discouraged by Jeremiah picking someone different, and you feeling like you have to pick someone else different. Who do you have as the best signing? Yeah, it's a tough one for me between uh, Jared Bowen and Thomas Suchek. I know they both you know, only played a, a limited amount before we kind of had this uh, unfortunate break, but I, I really like the impact they brought to the team. I wrote like a wrote a bit of an article for it talking about how they both kind of came into the lineup and kind of put in that work ethic that fans expect from from their players. But I think I'm going to have to go with Suchek as well. He's, uh, he's the type of player West Ham's been requiring for a while. You know, he ran the most uh, that any player's run in the last six years in one of his first matches. He's six foot four in the center of the midfield between him and Declan Rice. I think they can really uh, kind of boss the midfield for years to come if Rice ends up staying. And yeah, I have to go with him as my choice. All right, fair play, fair play. And Justin, round us out here. Who do you have as our best signing? Yeah, Adam, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think it's an easy choice of four nows. Um, Suchek and Bowen did well in a very short amount of time. It would have been great. You know, my answer could have been very different if this season actually played out in a timely manner. Um, I was clamoring to get Bowen all of January. I think um, he, he could have really helped us stave off relegation. And, and we've already seen in such a short amount of time his promise, and I'm really excited to, to see him play more in the West Ham shirt. But for me, it's Pablo Fornells. Um, Adam, you said it earlier, he had to win back his starting spot. So that positive mindset, that positive mental attitude is something that is certainly needed in, uh, in an athlete. Um, you know, he scored some really big goals. He's, he's also produced some really high-quality assists, including one to Bowen recently. Um, but... The main reason why I'm picking Fornells is because I believe he has shown consistent effort, heart, and passion when he has been on the pitch. Um, he's always running around, giving 110%, and I always appreciate that. And to be honest, I think as West Ham fans, that's really what we expect is just for you to give it your all and to leave it all out on the field. Um, so so that's why I'm going to pick Pablo Fornells. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty fair breakdown as well. And I, I do also think Jared Bowen could be West Ham's best player next season. I think he has the potential to be that. Totally agree. Yep. And as well, uh, Sebastian Allaire. I mean, you could statistically, he's West Ham's best player out of those four this season. Um, so you could also pick him. But I think the, the expectation's a lot higher when it comes with such a big price tag. But um, we'll see Allaire get better as well too. I don't think there's going to be any uh, selling on of him because I think once. David Moyes or he figures out how to play him as a solo striker 
there's going to be a complete revolution in how West Ham plays, and that's going to basically be with uh, our picks. Justin P- Pablo Fornals sitting in front of your guys' pick, Thomas Suchek uh, and Declan Rice in a in a four two three one style formation that really sees Fornals step up and also bring out the best in his teammates around him. So uh, we will we will see how that develops. I'm I'm really having my fingers crossed on that one, but uh, we move on here. Uh, okay, the next question comes from one of our favorite question askers on Hammers Polls. He pops up every week. Uh, this one is from Tony Pearson, at Tony Pearson 2. Uh, he has a question that's very interesting, and he, in- he includes stats, so we, we don't have to be guessing anymore here. Uh, basically, the question is, who would you rather have support, Sebastian Allaire, Diafrasacco, or Chicharito? He put in context, Diafrasacco had 24 goals in 71 games for us, and he's 30 years old currently. Chicharito had 16 goals for us in 55 games, and he's 32 years old. Uh, we'll go reverse snake draft here. Justin, we'll jump back in with you first. Who are you picking, uh, Chicharito or Sacco? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one here because um, I do think Sacco, Sacco is a bit underrated. Um, he had some injury problems, but when he did play, he, he did score. I don't think he had a great connection with the fans, which is why I, don't, I think he was a bit underrated. I'm, I'm going to go with Chicharito um, just because I think, I, I think personally, I was actually looking forward to seeing him and Hilaire together before he got sold. I actually think that they would have worked well together. I think um, both he and Hilaire aren't strikers that um, can survive and play well up top alone, and I think they their, their playing styles complemented each other's really well. So I'm... I'm going to go with Chicharito with here. Um, it's a tough choice for me, but I'm going to go with Javier. Okay, I think you're justified there. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Who are you picking out of those two, uh, you know, Robins to the Batman of Hilaire? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, he uh, in his prime, I would have to go with uh, Sacco. He, you know, he was a big, bigger physical center forward. He could run the channels. He had a touch. He was willing to do some of the workhorse type stuff, whereas I think Chicharito was a bit of a niche player who maybe sometimes needed someone else to kind of do some of that tough work for him. And I just don't necessarily know between him and uh, Hilaire if their pace would be there. So yeah, I'd have to I'd go with uh, Sacco on that one, but it's a bit of a tough one because with uh, Hilaire's ability to win balls in the air and his uh, ability to outlet passes i think chicharito would find himself in a position where i mean that guy needed one chance most of the time to put one in so yeah but i I still think i'd go with sacco yeah i think of that goal that chicharito scored against chelsea when he just one touched it after coming on the pitch and and banged in the back of the net i'm like he was so good why couldn't it work here uh so frustrating it's the same reason why it took half a season to figure out alaire needed a striker partner but anyways uh, these are the things that keep us up at night as West Ham supporters. Jeremiah, who are you picking? The little P or uh, the man who loves horse racing more than football? <laughs> um, you know, to Justin's credit, you know, Chicha, man, I would have loved to have seen him. After all, he did help us get, I think, our first point of the year in that Brighton match. He looked pretty good in that match. And then what was it, next week or the week after he was gone? Um but I got to go with Mayhem. I got to go with Sacco. <laughs> you know, he scores when he wants. And the dude, I think playing next to that layer would have looked awesome. He was all over the place anyway. I, I think, I know we talked about it a few pods ago, but when they had the opportunity to, I think, either keep him or Valencia, and they kept Valencia over him um, in that kind of era, I think it was a couple weeks ago. But anyway, that it was sad to see him go, you know. And, and you're right, he didn't have the best um, – 
maybe arrangement with the supporters and I think even the board and management and everything West Ham related didn't really get along well with Sacco. But yeah, seeing him play next style there would be my choice week in and week out. All right. See, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna help split the difference here. Uh, I'm gonna go Chicharito as well. Uh, I had two games picked out for the MLS season this year, living in Toronto, that I wanted to have tickets for: uh, Kansas City to see if Winston Reed was gonna play, and Galaxy to to see Chicharito, and I'd show up with a West Ham kit on for both of them. So I was desperate to go see those guys, but of course, nothing's happening with that now. Um, but yeah, I think Chicharito, he has the uh, clinicalness in him. He's got the fox in the box. I do like how. Like Aaron said, Aaron, you were were you Sacco when it came down to it? I it came down to Sacco, but okay. I mean, I was comfortable. I would be comfortable with both of them, that's for sure. I somehow I feel like Chicharito is more dependable, but um, maybe that's just trying to uh, <laughs> trying to justify uh, just not having the insanity of Sacco on the pitch. I mean, no one else pointed at the back of his shirt more than the badge than Diafra Sacco when he scored goals. So I don't know. That guy's a hothead, but man, can he put the ball in the net? Uh, but hey, that's that's why we that's why we vote on these things here. Uh, I do want to see. Uh, I actually I have the the question up here. I want to see what the what the vote actually turned out to be for this one. Um, oh, there was four options. <laughs> Neither or someone else was added into this eventually. Um, but we'll pick Sacco, which has thirty seven point five percent. Uh, Chicharito had 18.5, neither had 25.5, <laughs> and someone else had 18.5. So a, a remarkably even voting pool there. But Sacco, I think, has the memories. So everyone likes to support that. Um, okay, uh, the last question of this section of the podcast uh, comes from uh, another at Brexit Noble underscore question. Uh, and it's a, it's a really, really interesting question, and I think it's going to be... Uh, I want to hear you guys' explanations on this a lot. And Jeremiah, we're going to start with you here. Um, which player has the most potential? Grady Diangana, Jeremy Ngakia, or Nathan Holland? Who do you who do you think? Mm, that's, that is tough. You know, I think we've, we've seen... We have seen a lot out of Grady this year. I mean, he's blown up at West Brom. Um, and... You know, kind of, he was by happenstance because, you know, the whole story with Holland getting out, he got the opportunity to come in, and then, you know, here we are now. But I think for me, I'm not going to pick either of those. I'm going to go with Ngakia. His start, his kind of, uh, when he came in, and, and a lot of the same, his story is very similar with Ben Johnson, you know, coming in against our top team. Nobody knows who this guy is. I mean, I would, I honestly would argue to try to find somebody that knew who Jeremy Ngakia was before he actually saw his name on the scoreline before the game actually started. But then for him to come in and play the way he did, you know, up until everything stopped two months ago was, it was fantastic to see, you know, and I'd be naive to say that. I think it's going to always be that way. I think he's going to find some issues, even Declan Rice, you know, coming up, found some issues and had a couple games that looked sloppy. But I think when it comes down to it overall, that's going to be the guy we're going to see the most out of and get the most productivity out of going forward. Jeremy and what a, what an interesting selection there, but I think you justified it well. Actually, uh, kind of ironic that uh, he started against Liverpool, and now him and Sadio Mane have the exact same haircut, albeit Ngakia <laughs> has a better hairline up front. But uh, yeah, that's, that's rough. That's rough. The shaggy yeah, fro is coming through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron, uh, who do you have out of those three? Diangana, Ngakia, or Holland as the best or most potential uh, in a prospect? 
Uh, it was a tough one for me. I was I wanted to say Jeremy Ngakia just because he's you know been in our brain. He played a lot of uh, the last three matches before the break, and he very much held his own against a tough competition. But I think ultimately a guy like Diangana is going to probably be the most productive for for West Ham. He's kind of the same the things we've been lacking in a lot of ways. Like we we really desperately need pace in the in the team. We need a guy who's going to work hard, who's come up through the academy, and obviously Ngakia has as well. But uh, I just, yeah, I think he ultimately might be end up being the, uh, yeah, have the most uh, opportunities with West Ham. I know with Ngakia too, he has Ben Johnson breathing down his neck. So, and he's only done it for three games. So, yeah, that'd be my choice. All right, Justin, who do you who are you picking out of those three? So tough. Um, it, for me, it's between Diangana and Ngakia. Um, I'm still undecided to this moment. I, I honestly think I'm going to go with Ngakia when you talk about potential. Um, Diangana is the best out of those three right now. I'm eliminating Holland because I think there's a, there's a reason why he hasn't, you know, gotten a string of starts in the first team. Um, he's obviously not ready, even though a lot of fans are clamoring um, and so, clamoring for clamoring for him to, to play more and, and say he deserves to start. Or, or play a bit more in the in the first team. Um, Diangana has shown it in the championship. It'll be interesting to see if he can transfer that to the Premier League, assuming West Ham stays up. Um, but for me, in terms of potential, I'm, I'm going to go with Ngakia just because of his age. He can improve a lot more. He has shown that he, could, he can hold his own with the best players in the world and the best teams in the world. It's really tough for me, though. I'm honestly 50-50. I could go either way, but if I have to make a choice, I'm going to go with Jeremy. All right. Uh, so remind me again, Jeremiah, you had... Ngakia. And Aaron, you had... I had Diangana, but it was yeah, it was uh, almost a 50-50 for sure. And Justin, you were Ngakia as well, but literally split down until the word Ngakia left your mouth, right? Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to make a decision. <laughs> I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here and split it as well. I think I'm gonna pick Grady Diangana just based on him taking the assignment, going away from the club to West Brom. Uh, he couldn't have stepped into a better situation. Uh, looking back with hindsight now, just based off of uh, Slavin Bilic being there and him having the opportunity to play an, an awful lot with a really talented team. Uh, and he also got the freedom to play left side, right side, I think centrally for a little bit as well. Uh, and he looked completely comfortable at that level. Uh, if you're going to take a young prospect and send them out on loan and they and they come back with the experience and the success that he had, what more can you ask for? He picked up an injury, but uh, I mean, injuries have been completely erased in the time of uh, COVID-19 here. So uh, even Jack Wilshere is fighting fit again. So uh, I'm going to say Diangana, but I don't think there's a bad name on that list. And I do think we're all sleeping on Nathan Holland, but we all also want him to put together a nice long stretch of, uh, of football with actual experience behind it that's not interrupted by injuries. Also, he liked an article I wrote about him for Green Street Hammer, so we're basically best friends now. So uh, Nathan <laughs> Holland has my vote for a lot of stuff as well. Uh, okay, we're going to take a, one more quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to finish up with our thoughts on Project Restart. 
The final part of this episode will be our thoughts on Project Restart, a touchy subject, as everyone knows, on uh, Twitter and social media these days. Uh, the Premier League has moved forward with uh, small group training this week. Uh, in total, six players and staff combined across three Premier League clubs have tested positive for coronavirus. As we know, this is less than the Bundesliga, but... Uh, Troy Deeney is championing the cause for making individual decisions rather than team or league decisions. And he is staying home for the protection of his uh, child and family, which is very noble. And you're not going to find anyone here that doesn't think he should be doing that. But we do all have differing opinions as we are all uh, different people here. So we want to go roundtable again here. And uh, you know what? I Before I say this, before we go roundtable again, I envy the day where we can all sit face-to-face with each other and have a conversation and give and take without there being interruptions over Skype and, you know, a little delay and stepping on toes here and I don't want to chime in. So at any point in time, guys, feel free to steamroll me and make me shut up because I'm much happier to listen than to blabber on. So without further ado, uh, I'll start with one of the new guys here. Let's pick at random. Justin, I want your opinions first here. Are you pro or against Project Restart? And uh, try and uh, spell out your thoughts on the Premier League starting, if it should start, and uh, how things have been handled thus far. Um, in terms of how things have been handled, I, I, I don't blame anyone for how things have been handled. It's an unprecedented time. I don't think that there have been any diabolical mistakes made, um, except for the fact that they're trying to actually restart this now. I, in my opinion... I get why they're trying to restart it. They want to to play the games and finish out the season, mainly for financial reasons. But I think they're past the point of no return. I believe that they needed to have started to train full training a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it just wasn't feasible then. Um, there's a lot of factors at play. The season's not going to finish before June 30th, so contract issues are going to come about. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a little unfair for other teams compared to to teams that maybe have a bit more depth um, or less guys that are that are out of contract on June 30th. Fortunately, West Ham isn't going to be affected that much. I think there's Carlos Sanchez and Pablo Zabaleta, two guys that haven't contributed all that much this season. Um, so there's that. But then also, you're simply putting players and just club employees and managers and coaches at risk. Um, you're putting them at risk to spread and contract COVID-19. You alluded to, to Troy Deeney, um, rightfully so, taking a step back and saying he's not going to, to go to training uh, due to his son and his condition, um, which I respect. Um, we've already seen six, six cases within the first few days of Project Restart um, starting up. And you're, all, you're also putting players at a risk for injuries. I think they're trying to rush players back. Um, I think they're going to try to condense the season um, in too short of a time frame. Again, we don't know all the details, but in my opinion, I think it's a house of cards. One, one, thing, one bad thing can happen. A team could have an outbreak where you have seven, eight guys get it. Um, and then, then what happens when one team really can't play or put their best players out there? That's totally unfair. So in my opinion, it should be null and void, meaning no relegation. I know that's not going to happen. But in terms of starting the season, I think we're past the point of no return, and and um, I don't think it should be restarted at this time. And something that came up in the original recording of this podcast that did not stick was the fact that we can um, hopefully 
think of a better plan when it comes to the next season and move forward with uh, yes. you know not messing up seasons to come or at least one season or the window or whatever you want to say uh, and sort of protect the future without you know by taking this season and knocking it out. But I think there was also development today that the EFL said there's going to be promotion and relegation in the Premier League, the Championship, and uh, League One. So I don't. I thought I saw that on Football London from uh, well, it's Sam. It's not going to be the Premier League. It's not going to be because the, the EFL doesn't have any say over the Premier League. But so that's just the lower leagues then. It's just the Championship through League Two. But them saying that there will be promotion and relegation. I mean, guarantees that there'll be relegation from the Premier League. Um, I, I don't see the Premier League playing with 23 teams next year. Um, think of all that extra money. Yeah, but then yeah, I think you're negatively affecting um, the championship because then the championship is going to be with three less teams than they normally would have. Uh, so in, in my opinion, I think, um, yeah, the, the EFL saying that. And also for West Ham fans, a big thing, um, if they do cancel League Two, which the League Two teams have voted on doing so, um, they'll be determining uh, final places in the in the table by unweighted points per game instead of weighted, and that makes the world a difference for West Ham because I'm assuming that the Premier League is going to be consistent, and if the EFL says we're going to determine it by unweighted points per game. The Premier League will most likely, I'm, I'm assuming here, but they'll most likely say unweighted points per game as well, which means if they do that, West Ham will stay up as opposed to weighted points per game. Um, West Ham would actually be going down. So uh, that's big news, big news for West Ham fans. And unweighted makes more sense because you're not deciding the livelihood of a team based on what they haven't done, but you're predicting they'll do. They're, they're, because, I mean, we all witnessed The Great Escape. We know how insane the end of the season can be. So um, I think that's a, a fair way to do it. But I do think we'll end up seeing it played out in some manner here. But uh, Aaron, I want to come to you here. Uh, I want your thoughts on Project Restart and if uh, you have any major objections to how it's gone so far and if you want to see the Premier League continue on here. Yeah, I mean, I think when we uh, recorded before, I discussed how if they can do it properly and healthy, I think that's, I'm, I'm all for it going forward. But I do have... Uh, you know, like I was the one who brought up Troy Deeney. You know, he has a young child. I have a young child. And it would be kind of tough to uh, to put your family at risk for something such as that. I mean, Premier League players are very privileged in the sense that they do make enough money and that they don't need to necessarily go to work. And I know that can maybe be somewhat upsetting for people who are being forced or essential workers who have to go to work. But that's kind of a, a right that they've earned to a, to a certain extent. I read, uh, I forgot to bring this up earlier, there's a pretty good Twitter uh, um, thing on it by uh, Sean Doolittle, who's a pitcher for the Washington Nationals, and he kind of talks about a few interesting things. I'm pretty sure he's the one who mentioned that, like, for pro athletes, if they catch, you know, COVID-19, it could be very, uh, very much affect them and what they do in their careers, because it is a respiratory illness. It has, you know, that could be career ending for for many of them, even if it's not the uh, the worst case of having it. Um, yeah, I, I still would like to see it go through, but I also worry that they haven't really set boundaries so far. Like, when is enough enough? There's been six people who have it. I think three of them are with Watford. So Troy Dini maybe wasn't that wrong in his decision of uh, not going back. But, like, where, where do they draw that line of if one team is 
far more affected by it than other teams that I don't really know. And I'm not sure that they necessarily know. And that's kind of the, the frustrating part. All right, Jeremiah, uh, are you on Justin's side or Aaron's side or do you want to etch out your own? <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like Switzerland in this one and just not have a stance. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, uh, I think that, um, man, you talk about timing with this and, I feel like Justin, like you said, it should have started a few weeks ago. You know, you look at what Germany's doing, and seemingly so far that's worked out almost to the extent now where they're restarting this and having the talks of restarting it. All while the EFL is trying to make their decisions, they're trying to make their own decisions. You know, should they pair? Should they not? It's a lot of craziness going back and forth. And who I definitely don't want to be the person in charge of making this decision. I mean, I would love to sit here and talk about it all day long and put my own opinions to it, but what a crummy job that is to be the guy that has to come up with this because, you know, you look at it on the fan side of things. Sure. We all want football to come back. We all felt that if you watched, you know, the, the German matches last weekend, you all felt that enjoyment of seeing it again and just kind of taking you away from reality for a little bit. But at the same time, we already mentioned, you know, these guys are players, they're human beings too. So their lives come into this. And, you know, as much as we don't want to be out in the midst of all this with the potential of, of catching this virus going around, you know, they don't want to be either, most likely. So I know it's a lot of money. I know a lot of things come into play. My my biggest thing is if it doesn't work, if they can't get done correctly and safely to where there's not flare-ups and to where there's not going to be issues, and then the whole fairness thing comes into play like you talked about. But also, we already mentioned with the EFL, if they're not going to collect collectively be together on this as far as relegation, promotion, and everything like that goes, and, it, you know, to be fair to everybody – I would almost just rather see, you know, get everything ready, get everything as healthy as we can and get back to normal and restart up the season, you know, at next year. Um, have your do do whatever it looks like as far as weighted games, unweighted games. Finish it out that route if, if that's the best case to go and just kind of plan for the future and prep for the future and, and kind of prepare for things for that because rushing back too soon is going to be a mistake, you know, um, not even just in football but in real life in general. We rush things back too quick. We have flare-ups. We have other incidents come into play. So I, I just think that, you know, a lot of things come into play with this. But if it can't be done right, then, you know, forego it, finish it out, you know, in a simulated fashion, so to speak, and then just prep for the 2020-2021 season. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I, my thoughts, I mean, they echo things you guys have all said as well. Uh, first and foremost, I, I want the Premier League to return. Uh, and that's a selfish stance, I understand. Um, but I, I think football players, I, I made this point before, um, they live an isolated lifestyle as much as anyone is now. Uh, they, you know, they're not shopping uh, in stores everywhere. I think I said before, the only time you see them is when they're coming out of expensive restaurants or clubs or crashing their Lamborghini in someone's front lawn like Mikel Antonio. So that's their only mingling with the public as far as you know we see with them. Um, but again, they are human beings. So we also need to respect that. And you need to you know give someone like Troy Deeney their respect for their decision because that's a difficult decision to make, but uh, ultimately the right one because he's doing it for his family members. Uh, I think yeah, a lot of people want to look to the Bundesliga for, um, for being that sort of canary in the coal mine. And they are, and it's eerie and whatnot. But the more... I mean, they're they're probably five weeks ahead of where the Premier League is, four or five weeks. So, um, you know, maybe we will all be used to seeing empty stands a little bit more. Sure, it'll be our stands that are empty, so that changes it. But also, Germany handled 
the coronavirus outbreak a lot differently and I think a lot better than the UK did, uh, who's still struggling in a lot of areas with that, especially in London. I think there's a lot of uh, unhappy people with the mayor and how he's handled and continues to handle the situation. Uh, I know in Toronto here, our premier of the of the province has done a, an extremely good job as well as the mayor with setting standards, sticking to them and putting us in a good spot uh, to, to come out of this in, in the right time uh, in a good time frame. So everything is so regional. Everything is so different. Uh, obviously I want to see West Ham play as soon as possible, but I don't want it to be, um, with the danger, you know, falling on the players shoulders there. Um, but again, you know, you, you, players are just regular people and nothing's ever been more, uh, clear than when the players are getting haircuts or, you know, the players are going out to a party. It's like, okay, these guys are cooped up and hated as well. Uh, it's just crazy to see how far we've come, but also, you know, it's hard to pre- present a united front when it comes to wanting to play or not to play when you have individuals making individual decisions along the way that muddies the water. So uh, I don't know. It's all up in the air there. Um, and I guess by the time we record the next podcast, hopefully we'll have some more news on that. Uh, the individual training started this week, uh, and hopefully that uh, continues to go as planned for West Ham Uh also to note, uh, Declan Rice's uh, first appearance, I think the uh, there was the anniversary of that today or yesterday, so we're checking off all the landmarks here. Um, guys, anything else on your on your mind here as far as West Ham news, stories, topics, anything is concerned? Boy, we're all uh, we're all full of words. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you guys uh, uh, were exhausted after recording two podcasts, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> If there's, if there's nothing else on the tip of your tongues or anything like that, uh, we will leave it at that. Another West Ham Green Street Hammers podcast in the books here. Again, Justin, Aaron, welcome aboard. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Jeremiah, good to have you back on here as well. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you, uh, both written and orally, uh, as the weeks progress here. Uh, and uh, hopefully there's more West Ham content to write about. Uh, but until next week, come on, you Irons. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.